0: This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management.
1: Mark it down Sunday, April 10th. It's the 34th Annual All-Star Labor Classic presented by Philadelphia's Organized Labor and featuring the best of the best, high school girls and high school boys in a city versus suburban showdown. It's the All-Star Labor Classic, a Philadelphia tradition showcasing the very best high school girls and boys basketball players from the entire Delaware Valley. That's Sunday, April 10th, starting at noon. The live games will be played at Ridley High School.
2: Now, on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT HD WOGL HD3 Philadelphia The Labor Show, with J. Doc and Krause. If we don't move in our own direction, we're going to become extinct. In fact, in some cases we're close to being extinct right now. Presented by the Law
1: Offices of Pond Lee Hockey, Giordano. Listen and speak to the region's most influential leaders. This is a special edition of The Labor Show with J. Doc, Krause, and John Doherty. And welcome back, everyone. Hour two of our three-hour labor Uh, edition of the Labor Show tonight, hour number one. We transition now into the John Doherty Hour. Uh, Excited to get into a conversation, J-Doc, with John Doherty. And, of course, coming up uh, following the John Doherty Hour, don't touch that dial, um, a uh, broadcast or rebroadcast of the energy special uh, that we did. John Bland, of course, is a guest of John's uh, in this hour number two. So it'll be great to transition out of the the interview uh, with John Bland and then transition into our number three. But I don't want to get ahead of myself. Let's bring in uh, our gracious host, John Doherty, joining us here live uh, on a Saturday night. Johnny Doc, my good friend. How are you, sir?
2: Great, Krause. Good to talk to you guys. It's great to have Joe back. Sorry about your loss, buddy. We missed you last week
3: yeah well i, I uh, you know i appreciate that john certainly uh you know it was it was uh, a long weekend, but i'm glad to be back too
1: and john of course you you were right on the money a week ago uh at the start of our show that you and i in j doc's absence um would have time to breathe and have time to speak and get a lot more air minutes uh, out of the show show I didn't didn't realize where that was going right uh, which Which we did. Now, with you back in the chair, Jay, Doc, we're back to, I don't want to say normalcy, but we're back to the way it is. Thank God you were on and on the
3: podcast, Sean, I'll tell you, for for crying out out. loud.
1: Yeah, since we're getting ready for
2: the All-Star labor classic, you know what it was like, Krause. It was like when J around, he dribbles, you know, most of the whole shot clock away, and he ah. passes us the ball so we can shoot. And <laughs> Ted, me and you were just moving the ball up and down the court quicker than normal.
3: Well, I will tell you, yeah. John, please don't, please don't feed into Krause because I was hearing it right away about the ratings and all that. <laughs> the rating spike you guys had,
1: no question about all it. All good stuff, J Doc. Just having fun with you, brother.
3: So, what do you think of the Super Bowl, John? Well, you know, it was funny. You and I were at the same place. I
2: actually, uh, you know, gave your score and picked one on the air last week. Yeah. Uh, you know, if, if, if uh, they don't move the ball down, we're right on the money. You know, we, I thought Cincinnati would win the game. I thought it'd be close. You know, uh, I'll be honest with you; it was one of the least exciting Super Bowls I've seen in recent years. You know, and I didn't think it was a well played Super Bowl. But uh, you know, Cincinnati, you know, was a change. It was good to see you know, burrow in there. And, and, and look, if somebody's going to win a Super Bowl, even if you don't pick them, it's nice to have somebody like Stafford who spent his whole time, you know, and at that last drive, man, he just put the ball on the money everywhere which way he yeah. threw it. You know, and he's had, his wife had a lot of health issues. You know, it, you know and I'm a very sensitive to that and understand the strain that goes with that. So to continue to be the athlete he was, keep that schedule and raise his family and be there for his wife's support, you know, and, and her issues were severe. You know, I mean, you know, life and death for a while. But so it's nice to see see him win. And uh, Burrows will be back. And uh, NFL football, there's a reason why you know it's it, it gets the ratings. It does. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's got a great following. It, it continues to recycle talent better than most. Just take a look at the quarterbacks that are you know all the young kids from Herbert Herb to uh, uh um, Burrows Burrows. and on and on and on. So you know, well, he's, you know what it's,
3: it's funny because. Nobody's. Of course, you got Mahomes, Burroughs, Herbert, um, and you know I like our guy too. But let's, you know, one thing nobody's talking about the kid from Jacksonville, and he's gonna, you know, he, it, you know, if he fulfills his potential, I mean, the like you said, John, the NFL's um, in great hands. Obviously, you know, we want to get back in that in that situation as competitors. Uh, you know, we're going to miss the GOAT, obviously. Not a lot of people are
1: going to miss him. <laughs> I, don't goat, I don't know if the GOAT is done. You I, think he's going to end if, up in, Fort, in, in San Fran? I don't Fran? know if the GOAT is done or not. But I do, uh, uh, John, I do want to ask you just for a quick thought. When you watch a game like that play out, and you watched what was, you know, perhaps arguably one of the better, if not the best, certainly one of the better post-seasons leading up to the oh. big game, um, with all of the finishes that we experienced, um, how far away are we, John? I think we might be okay. a little bit away.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think we're a little bit away, but it depends how they play it. You know, I the, the mentality of hey, let's we got three first round picks. Let's trade one down for two, you know, seconds, and we'll trade another one for a first next year. You know that I don't know if uh, I've I seen something on TV uh, in the last couple of days talking about why there's not many dynasties anymore because the urgency of of owners and the you know the amount of money you get as the farther you go in the playoffs, it's outrageous, you know so yeah, I, I think maybe this year we keep all three of them. or if we do move one, we move one back, and you know we pick up four players in the first you know forty players or so. There's a lot of talent out there. I think that you know. I think we, uh, you know, we got to get faster. And and again, but I do think there's a lot of talent on this team, you know. And they came, they came back, you know. I mean, they played a lot better than I expected, you know. And how about the how about the deal? How about the Colts thinking about dropping Wentz already? Oh my God, that deal, huh?
3: Could you imagine making that trade, losing a first-round draft choice, and getting rid of them?
1: By the way, here's what I would say, and I don't have the stats in front of me to be able to repeat them or rattle them off um, so I don't even want to try um, because I don't have them all in front of me. If you take Wentz's body of work from game five to the end of the season. This year? This year. okay, With the Colts. In a Colts uniform. Yeah. Yeah he had a slow start. But if you take and John knows I am a Carson Wentz Fan, I've always been a Wentz fan, but if you take his body of work, so that would be what thirteen his last twelve or thirteen games, Mm -hmm. and look at the numbers that he put up. Now, granted, he lost that game to Jacksonville, Doc, and he didn't get him in, and so he didn't get him into the playoffs. But I think they're making a mistake if they're if they end up moving him or cutting cutting him. I think they're making a mistake.
2: Well, I agree with you that it's a mistake. I was just saying that if they do let him go, we get a first round pick because he did play more than take out the snaps. It was a great, it was a great move on our part. You know, we get that first pick, you know, we'll probably, you know, the way they, they operate down there we'll probably turn that pick into two second round picks and maybe pick up, you know, a, a wide receiver and a D back, you know, uh, but you're right. His numbers weren't bad, you know, uh, a lot of people have been talking about that. He's got a lot of friend, friends in the media world. But uh, he also, you know, with the vaccination stuff, it's, it's just become a hot topic. Look what it did to, the, to Kyle Irving and the Nets. And, you know, it definitely had some effect for the Colts, you know, and uh, – but. Yeah, he'll wind up someplace. He could wind up in the, the, the Commonwealth playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers
1: next yeah, year. Yeah, I think that's where he's going. That's where the, that's who's eyeing him up. I think yeah. replacing Big Ben Carson Wentz. Uh, we'll fun. see what happens, John. Quick, let me get a thought from you since you mentioned it. Um, James Harden now, um, you know, will play. Will begin playing on uh, with the Sixers following this weekend's All Star festivities. Um, but he was coaching up Maxie. Uh, the other night in Milwaukee. Uh, do you like the trade? What are your thoughts? What were your initial thoughts when they, when they finally got that thing done?
2: I actually had a, uh, a couple comments I made on Facebook that I normally don't get in that much detail. And I said it here before. You know, I just think that, that Ben has never been the go-to guy any place he played. You know, we're going to talk about, the, we're going to talk to my niece, you know, who was a scorer her whole life. Okay, my father was you know one of the best kept secrets in South Philly. All the old time guys from Sunny Hill will tell you, you know my father could score from any place on the court. So my dad used to drill us when we were kids. And Kevin and myself should have been way better than we were. We had the great gene pool, and my father was a stickler for you know doing things right. But my father always told us: one, you can't score if you don't shoot; two, you got to shoot in clutch times; and and three. If you score in grade school and you score in high school, you can score anywhere. So, you know, Ben Simmons, I don't think he ever scored 20 anywhere. You know, he's got a ton of talent. You know, he could have played in the NBA as, as he's been a first-team world defensive player. But I just don't think that he was ever going to be LeBron James, and that's what everybody wanted. And that's not what they got. And his and his work ethic, you know, I told you, I, you know, I'm in town a lot. You know, a few years ago when he first landed, I used to see him I don't know where he was living, but I used to see him out the about real early in the morning. It didn't look like he was just getting up to run. Okay, so uh, looked like he was just getting in. But you know, Philly's a tough place to play. You know, you got to work hard. Everybody knows that when he when he didn't take that shot, you know, uh, and everybody understands the shot, you know, in the playoffs, you know. But it's just it's just not a it's just not his temperament. I don't th- I think there was. Uh, The the guys, you know, at the the 76ers, you know, Ruben and them guys, I think they just created an atmosphere. He's young. He liked flying across country in between games to hang with the Kardashians and on and on and on. And who wouldn't, by the way? And who wouldn't? But that's not what Philly wanted, you know? So uh, I think Harden, you know, as we said last week, Joe, I think that his 22, 10, and 8, you know, will take us to another level. And I don't know who's going to stop indeed. I mean, yeah. he's just amazing right yeah, now. He
3: is. He you, is. Know, you know, you know, you what would, would scare me, John? No, I saw the press conference or at least part of it when Ben Simmons was talking. They were asking him about will he be ready for Philly and all that, and his answer was, "I hope so." And he didn't look like he was real confident in it. And he just he had to me he had sort of like a a, a, a stare, you know, a blank stare in in his eyes. If I'm them, I'm you know, I'm. I'm I'm worried about that situation. Normally, you know, you're a pro athlete. You're like, yeah, let's do it. I know he's going through some emotional stuff, and and I, I could you, John? Can you imagine what it's going to be like, Joe? You, and you, Joe when I know, it comes I to you, Philly, I know,
2: yeah, I know you're going to have to move on, you know, from this issue. But here, I'll just leave you with this. Yeah. In in the last five six years, I haven't exactly had it easy. Okay, but mm. I'll be honest with you. Every single thing in my life, I learned at Second and Jackson Playground. It's like you learned in Oxford, just like everybody learned in yep. the playgrounds, the 21st Word, Roman Catholic, all the stuff you did. Yep. Okay, every night I went out to hang on a corner, you know, if I didn't have the right matching socks on, somebody let me know. Okay, mm-hmm. every, the older guys, if you didn't play hard, they'd slap you in the head and not let you play.
4: Yep. And,
2: and, and the world, if it was rough touch football or four-on-four four basketball, when you lost, you were done, and there was another hundred people waiting to play. So you played your butt off so you and continue continued to play. That's why people, listen, ask anybody around you how many times they watch the Rocky movies. Everybody I know has watched the Rocky movies at least four or five times. Okay, when, when Bernard Hopkins was found at 11 o'clock at 50 years old, people were staying up to watch it. People in Philly respect and appreciate. I still walk down the street and people holler, hang in there, how's your wife, what's going on? It's Philly. Okay, you know, nobody respects a punk in this, in this town. And you can't come across that way. So you've got
1: to be boy all the time. You've got to be 24-hour boy. Yeah, no question. Great words that. from Philly's biggest fan, John Doherty. This is the John Doherty Hour. Big show tonight in hour number two to John McNichol, president and CEO of the Pennsylvania Convention Center. He joins us. As mentioned, John Bland, business manager, Boilermakers Local 13. He'll be with us at the bottom of the hour, 7.45, give or take a minute or two. Maureen Fiocca. Arcadia University Women's Basketball Team Assistant Coach, niece of the great John Doherty. A lot of good stuff coming up in hour number two. Back in a moment.
0: Tonight's edition of The Labor Show is sponsored in part by IBEW Local 98 North, UFCW Local 1776, Sheet Metal Workers Local 19, and the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades DC21. This whole nonsense about not giving workers the right to organize with so-called right to work, that's bad. Something like that comes to my desk, I'll be to it, not just because I'm a Democrat, not just because I'm pro-Labor, but because I know for a fact that's not very smart.
1: And back here live on the John Doherty Hour as we broadcast to you live on a Saturday night here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Again, don't forget coming up at the bottom of the hour, John Bland business manager, Boilermakers Local 13. Uh, Johnny Dock a week ago uh, on this show we had a good conversation uh, with Mike Barnes and I'll use some of that conversation to transition uh, into your first guest tonight, John McNichol, president and CEO of the Pennsylvania Convention Center uh, is going to join us. We'll bring John into the conversation in just a moment. Um, but the spirit and the um, uh, and what was consistent with what Mike Barnes talked about, you and Mike talked about last week, uh, was. Um, The challenging times from behind us and now what's on the horizon. And as Mike said a week ago, 2022 um, is going to be a monster, monster year uh, in the city of Philadelphia from an entertainment standpoint.
2: Yeah, it's, it, it's a great time. And, you know, what I said with Michael, and I said the same thing with Johnny McNichol when we last talked to him, you know, we don't have to talk about the history anymore. We don't have to talk about how we got where we did. We don't have to talk about who was involved. You know, everybody knows, you know, that McNichol and and board people like Heather Steinmiller, who doesn't get enough recognition, uh, they they were key. You know, it was a bipartisan effort that brought us to where we're at. And even now, after the pandemic, you know, John McNichol quietly, was putting this convention center in a place so that it could capture the market share that it had, which was a big market share. You had travel, Condeste, had us in the top three places in the world to visit. Top three in the world. You know, I think some place in the, in Italy was one, and some place in Philadelphia, because the restaurants were popping up every place, the neighborhoods were looking good, you know, and then you had a pandemic, and then you had a tremendous amount of social unrest, and then you had you have this urban crisis, you know, I hope it's, you know, a lot based on the lenient DAs over this, you know, market. But this guy has been consistent. It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter about anything. All he does is get that convention center ready to work. You know, it was one of the cleanest, safest, the air. He changed, he did all type of construction and faceless to it so that it was prepared to handle a pandemic, nervous, hospitality world. And he's done a fabulous job. And he's done a fabulous job keeping it together, he's consistent, and he goes to the fact that you can, some, you can have some long-term consistency in this industry. It's a seven-year cycle. You hear Michael say it all the time, okay? You need somebody who can be there for 14 years, and John's committed to this place, and don't think that he doesn't have other options. You know, you know how this industry works, I mean, you get the success that we had in Philly, and people look at him, and they say, okay, why don't you take your family and move to San Diego? Why don't you go to Florida, someplace nice? John stayed here. Okay, and he keeps his place moving. He's consistent. He's great at what he does. And I just want to hear from him now. I'm done. I'm not gonna say another word to John. The rest of it, I just want to hear what we got common coming. I was with Ryan Boyer over at the Labor's Hall on Friday. We were talking about the calls that we have common. There's a lot of requests for people to go back to work. So when we go back to work at the convention center, that means the bars, the restaurants, the chambermaids, the people who deliver to the hotels, the people who bring paperware, the people who bring bedding, they all work. And when they're working a lot of hours, they get good raises. So that's Let's bring him into the respect. conversation.
1: Let's bring him in. John McNichol, president and CEO of the Pennsylvania Convention Center. John, welcome to the John Doherty Hour. You're not moving to San Diego, are you, sir?
4: Listen, you better, Doc, you better hope Danielle's not listening to this. As my wife hears this. We're going to be <laughs> on the next plane, and there's not much I can do about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but listen, no, I'm not going anywhere. I love this city. I love the people I'm working with, and and I wouldn't do it if it, if it wasn't for that fact. I mean, this is it's it's not about the size of the building or you know the bricks and mortar. It's about the people that drive this industry, and you know I wouldn't trade them for the world. I, you know I'm I'm the Philly through and through, and. It's great to be with you guys on the on the uh, labor show again. And Doc's hour is always a always a pleasure to be with you. So I miss you, buddy. I'm I'm glad to hear your voice. I'm sorry we haven't been together in a while, but we will. Um, but what can I tell you? What, what can I tell you? What do you want to know?
3: What do you got on the horizon, John?
4: We get a lot. We get a lot, um, and I and I should start by thanking our customers who've got they had the courage and the grit. Uh, our team's done a great job to convince them that look, Philly's on the rebound. Philly's on the recovery path. We're doing it smart. Uh, we're doing it safe. Uh, you know, uh, I think John probably talked to you before about all the money we put into the building. All done. Union. Uh, a lot of upgrades. About twenty million dollars over the last eighteen months. Uh, New air handler technology, bipolar ionization, greater MERV filtration, UV lights, all the escalator revamps that we did. Now we're doing the elevator revamps, new carpet. Um, We poured a lot of money, and we put a lot of guys and gals to work in the building during the downtime because we needed to be competitive as we powered out of this. So 2022 looks great. I'm about to build. I'm really, you've probably seen it on uh, some of their marketing their paid and earned media strategy, but the auto shows coming back. That's huge, huge for us. That'll bring about 300,000 people to Philadelphia and through our building. And, then, as uh, John always likes to talk about, not only in our building, but it's going to fill the restaurants and we're going to, they're going to buy up a lot of hotel rooms. They're going to go over to Reading Terminal Market and they're going to visit historic Philadelphia. They'll probably go to the Franklin Institute and see the Harry Potter exhibit. The city, it, you can feel it. It's palpable. You can feel the city starting to pull out of this. I got Tattoo Show coming in, which is another one It's going to be great. That brings in tens of thousands of people, and it's an exciting show. And then we have the next the new version, the Comic-Con, coming in, and then we start up as we come out of the, uh, the winter months here and we start into the spring. We're going to have a whole bunch of eds and meds, uh, major conferences. They're the ones that, that really drive the economy. They're the ones that fill up the hotels, and they fill up the uh, show floor, and they, you see a huge spike in all of our show labor hours. That's what we're that's what we're built to do. So John, 2022 is looking good.
3: Uh, John, they, they just lowered the standards, the entry standards for our, our, our hospitality uh, community in regards to no more uh, you know, vaccine I.D. And as Omicron, you know, winds itself right. down, that also has to, you know, weigh well for, for, for our hospitality industry.
4: Yeah, it does. I mean, and I I, I mentioned it earlier. we got to give our customers credit because, you know, it was a gut check for a lot of them to, to you know, stay the course and to commit to coming. They didn't know, you know, the, uh, the auto show guys, the car dealer network from our southeastern Pennsylvania, they didn't know that these restrictions were going to get lifted. But they had the guts to say, you know what? The city deserves an auto show, and and we have to show people that, you know, we're not afraid to, you know, do this. We're going to do it as safely as possible. Uh, We've had a great working relationship with the health department throughout the process. You know, we're always pushing on them to explain that the major investments we made in the building make make, uh, safe meetings and conventions possible. And so I think we've all collectively been rewarded for that effort because the health department gets that we get it. So, you know, that's that's really good. Last time I talked to you guys, I think it was about six months ago, maybe five months ago, we were coming out of the summer, but Omicron wasn't here yet. And I, I told you optimistically that 22 would be a good year. And i got to be honest with you, three months ago, I was worried that a lot of this business was going to fall off, but it does. it didn't. It didn't because we really tightened the ranks with our customers. And now, 22 into 23, it's looking really strong. we got a great book of business, and we, we're we just going to file ahead. And next thing you know, we're going to pick our heads up, and we're going to be looking at, you know, 24, 25, and 26. Going We're going to crush it in 26. 26 is going to be the greatest year in, in Philadelphia tourism maybe ever. Um, it's got that potential.
1: Wow, what a great uh... – what a great 10second soundbite, John, that I must clip and save um, <laughs> the optimism and, and, and the passion behind that statement um, is, is great. It's great. it's great to hear let me ask you on the auto show um, auto Show 2022 is when
4: uh, March 5th starts okay, so March 5th and, and, it, and it runs to the 13th so it'll be the two Saturday is Saturday. Saturday to Sunday I'm
1: sorry. So the Fifth auto through the, uh, So the auto show maybe it is maybe it isn't. But but to me and I don't know if this is a general assumption, to me it reminds me of the start of big events in the city because the auto show is so big. Um, there's the auto show, the flower show, and then everything else that tattoo follows. Show. Uh, the tattoo show, as you mentioned, feel that yep. is that is 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 that the rhythm of the calendar for 2022?
4: Yeah, and the guys in the building will tell you the same thing, and that's mm-hmm. that's my gut. Like I can't wait to get to it because you get through the holidays, you know, we usually take the choke during the holidays. It's just not no one's going to book a convention over the Christmas break or Thanksgiving. That doesn't happen. But as we power through the winter. And you start to get the sense that you know, you know that rat and Punxsutawney, the uh, the groundhog, always you know kind of messes us up. But once he comes out, and whether or not he sees his shadow, we start to feel like spring when we start building the auto show. And then they it, and and you can feel it; it's palpable with the uh, with our customers. You know, when they come, they get a little bounce in their step. They they feel that they're coming out of the winter, and you know, there's a psychological factor to it too. We're coming out of the winter, but we're also coming out of our winter of COVID, and, you know, hopefully that will bring new energy because there's such a huge amount of pent-up demand for people to just get out and try and find whatever the new normal feels like, and we're going to give them a great taste of normal. And, uh, you know, as I said, we're always going to do it safe, safe as we can possibly do it, but there's there's great reason to be optimistic about, you know, where we're headed.
1: John McNichol, the president and CEO of the Pennsylvania Convention Center, joining the John Doherty Hour uh, on this Saturday night. John, I look forward to a great run um, uh, with the Convention Center. Uh, I'm sure your words will become uh, reality. Great stuff, man. Appreciate it, and appreciate you coming on the John Doherty Hour.
4: Yeah, we appreciate you guys very much. Thanks for having me, as always.
1: All right, good stuff. Yes, sir.
2: Listen, I was going to take you down to the car show and get you a car, but I was thinking twice about it. I think I'm going to just take you down for the tattoo show and yeah. get a, a character that you yeah. put on your arm with your with your legendary kangaroo. You I know? love that. We need, <laughs> we need to John, get, you know we, what we I need want need to do, Doc?
1: Yeah, he, he needs to get inked up, John. John You're right about John, that. you know what I want to do? I want to do the John Doherty Hour live from the car show now i don't know whether or not we can do that which is cause all kinds of security. i'll let you work out the details <laughs> but if that's doable my friend sign me up i'll be we'll be love to be down there live but good but but good stuff Uh, Good stuff from John McNichol joining us here on the John Doherty Hour. We'll get to a commercial break. Other side of the break, John Bland, business manager, Boilermakers, Local 13. Busy hour of the John Doherty Hour. And then Maureen Maureen Fiocca will finish it up for us tonight. We'll have a great conversation with her about what, J-Doc? About basketball. About basketball. And and, uh, By the way, she's a labor classic Uh, alumni. Oh, very good. I'll let you end on that back in a moment.
0: Yep. This edition of The Labor Show is sponsored in part by Sprinkler Fitters Local 692, Laborers District Council, Steam Fitters Local 420, and the International Union of Operating Engineers Local 542.
3: We're going to try to work with Republicans in a
4: bipartisan way to find solutions to what really is not working.
1: And back here live on the John Doherty Hour, coming up at 7.45 tonight, Maureen Fioka will join us. Arcadia University women's basketball team assistant coach. And the niece of John Doherty. So she'll be along at 7.45. John Doherty, good segment uh, with John McNichol. Your good buddy, John Bland, the business manager of Boilermakers Local 13. Uh, stopping by the John Doherty Hour, John.
2: You know, I was just want to get a quick plug in for the sponsors. You know, Wendell Young, a little bit more well known than some of them, does a great job. Uh, but you just had Joe Williams, Zach, who's you know represents IBW uh, ninety eight North, and then Gary Messina, who we got to get back on because Gary is a really aggressive at what he does, and he's 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 great conversation because you never know where he's going to take you. And uh, but he does a great job for his guys. Uh, so all these guys who sponsor us, you know we need to get them on because they spend their membership money to get this message out and they do a great job. And the good part, you've heard me say this a hundred times. You know, I grew up in this industry with all the big stars, but this group of labor leaders from Joe Smith, uh, from everybody on, okay, all the way up to John Bland represent their members as good as anybody I've ever been. And it's just not nonsense. It's just not me saying this on, on the radio. I, John Bland is a boilermaker. He's not a politician. But I have sat in the White House with him and watched him educate, okay, people in the White House about the industry that he represents. So, I, again, just like with John McNichol, I'm not going to talk too much from here on out. I just want John, you know, they finished up some of these pipelines. The Biden administration has started to move a little bit in that direction a tiny bit. But we're still a far away You know, from getting people in the Boilermakers Union and in the UA across the country back to work full time. So, look, let John go. Let him tell you what's going on. And on top of that, you know, a few months ago when when them tornadoes blew through South Jersey, you know, people don't know. It was John Bland and a few of his friends, you know— with a power saw, cutting down some trees and lifting stuff off houses so a whole bunch of people in Jersey that are older than all of us, which is getting up there in years, were able to live back in their houses comfortably. Good guy, good friend of mine, love listening to him. And I, I know he's not everybody's cup of tea because if you're not about energy, he's not about you.
3: John Bland, welcome to the show, my friend.
5: John. Hey, John how you doing, buddy? All right, good job. I'm sorry. I thought I lost you there for a second, though. Hey, I appreciate you having me on the show. Thank you, Joe Doc, Joe Krause. And uh, I got to thank Johnny Doc for the kind words. And I just want to let you know, you know, I may be vocal on a lot of different issues, but when Johnny Doc speaks, speaks, you shut up and listen. You pay attention. You learn a lot that way. But thank you for everything.
3: Well, I can tell you this we're all on the same page there, John. And and like, and I, I've never met anybody who's more passionate than you are, especially uh, representing your members. And on the energy issues, like Johnny said, uh, you know, with the with the, um, the Marineries pipeline being completed, um, you, you got to have some optimism there in regards to uh, the fact that that's finally done and, and getting some members back to work.
5: Yeah, it's going to be a little bit of a prog- uh, process here right now, Joe. But just to back up a little segue on that, You know just before i started as a business manager we lost three mile island you know shortly after that we lost pes refinery and then you had covid 19 on the top of that this is probably one of the first uh, possibly new work projects uh expansions that are going on in the area so this is a lifeline not just for me for a lot of the other trades this is beneficial for everybody
3: and, and and having said that, John, you've been vocal on a lot of issues. We've done a lot of shows together, uh, and 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 you really brought to light issues like Reggie Regional Gr- uh, Greenhouse Greenhouse Gas Initiative and everything that's going on with the RFS. Uh, it, it, those are issues that potentially jeopardize our entire not only our industry and our work and our refineries, but also at the same time. Um, these are issues that could impact the public like there's no tomorrow. Talk about those things, the status of those things, and what's going on. Well,
5: right now, uh, Reggie, uh, you know, like I said, we're getting this rammed down our throat, and I, this is going to be devastating. And the Reggie, the gas, electric crisis, should I say, that is going to be increasing in Pennsylvania if uh, Pennsylvania joins Reggie. Who's going to be more affected by? buy it is going to be low-income communities. Your electric prices are going to be either double or almost triple what they are right now. You know, how do you build, a, bring a, a, a economical growth back to Pennsylvania when you have the higher electric prices in the country? We're, we're on that verge right now. There's got to be some compromise. This is going to be drug out for a while, but it's going to cost Pennsylvanians a lot more money.
1: And, and And, having and j, j, said j, that j, j Ducco, your right? thought just for one quick second and on john 's note and john 's message there. Just a quick programming reminder, um, you'll hear John uh, on the uh, hour that follows the John Doherty Hour um, as we are brought, rebroadcasting Tonight. Uh, hour one of the two-hour special that we did from down in Delaware City uh, at PBF, uh, and we'll get into a little bit deeper of a detail. Um, Congressman Norcross was part of that conversation. We'll have all of that coming up um, uh, when the John Doherty Hour ends at 8 o'clock. That will be lo- that will be on this station from 8 to uh,
0: 9.
3: No question about it. One of the things that John Doherty did uh, w- was he wrote a letter in support of the situation with the Rins. Um, that, I know John is, is, uh, John Bland is uh, something that you've been spearheading and getting the word out. The general public doesn't know about it. It's a complicated issue. But you guys, uh, you know, in, in a lot of ways, on this program really started the movement there and and it was great to see Johnny Doc write a letter in support of the initiative and, and, and obviously getting Washington more engaged in what's going on.
5: Oh, great. I appreciate everything that Johnny Doc has done for that. I mean, he's engaged everybody, the building trades, and, and brought everything to the to the, the front and front center of what's going on with that. You know, Joe, over the last year and a half or so, we've lost several refineries in the United States, partial closure or closure. You want to talk about driving up the the price of gasoline? That's what's going on. You know, the EPA's proposal for for the, the ethanol blend this year on the RVO, that's a renewable fuel, renewable volume obligation, is one point five billion dollars over the blend one point five billion gallons over the blend wall. You can't use that much ethanol. So what that's gonna do it's hampered these smaller refineries that don't have blending stations. So you're going to drive up the price of gas. Sooner or later, you're going to feel more of a crunch at the pump. And the other thing, too, Joe, just so you know, burning ethanol had nothing to do with environmental concerns. They started this program in the early 2000s, and the reason it started was they thought we were going to be running out of gasoline. They come up with this program just for that reason. Now, if you want to take a look further, this ethanol is probably creating more carbon emissions than, than, than gasoline.
3: So it's interesting because we first met when John Doherty told me and Joe Krause, when we were talking about the PES closing and uh, the refinery in South Philly, which still is mind boggling. And when John, Bland, when, when John Doherty said, we need two labor leaders on the, on the show to talk about this, get John Bland and Jimmy Snell on this and they'll educate and school the general public on what's going on. That was our first array joke, Grouse, in this situation. I still remember that show that John Doherty – was, you know, when we did that, and it's what got you and I fired up. It's what the general public doesn't know that that's it, it, hurting them, and thank God guys like John Bland who are advocating on behalf of their members uh, and, of course, John Doherty, who took the lead, uh, you know, took the ball and moved forward, that's making the difference here.
1: John Bland, business manager, Boilermark- Boilermakers Local 13, joining us here on the John Doherty Hour. John Bland, whether you're uh, speaking in the White House we're talking on the airwaves on the John Doherty Hour. Uh, I commend Krassi. you. Well done. Great job.
2: Classy. just want to jump in real quick before you wrap up with John. John Bland has consistently brought to everyone's attention common sense things that people in the public do not understand. For example, him and Jimmy Snow, who we have on all the time, are absolutely fabulous at representing an issue Okay, that doesn't have a ton of fans out there. Yep. Except their their workers, because people don't understand when they shut the refineries down. Okay, and we hit the pandemic. They didn't realize that a lot of the products that are in the Clorox wipes and a lot of other things that we used during the pandemic to keep our people healthy were made in this refineries. People don't understand that you know we all want wind energy and windmills. That John Plan brought up in the White House. Okay, the amount of things that affect okay, the the environment in building a windmill was gigantic. So when you hear him say, and he's never said that we don't need to turn, you know, our efforts into making, you know, the world, he understands, okay, that there's something going on with the climate, but there has to be a responsible way that we do the transition. Absolutely. And. I, I've not only, I write letters all the time for the UA and for John because they're right on the issues. Okay, they're right on Reggie. Okay, I actually didn't even know his name was John Bland when I first met him. I thought it was Reggie Bland because everybody said, here comes Reggie, here comes Reggie, here comes Reggie. And it was an issue that nobody was talking about. Look, you, you listen to Bland and you listen to Jimmy Snell, Jimmy Snell will wind up getting a hydrogen plant someplace around here. And people say, oh, my God listen, it's safe and clean and will keep people working for a decade and will keep people working inside of it for two decades after the fact. Okay? So I, I got to let you know, it's, it's a, every, we can have one show after another about these topics to educate people. And by the way, they're not boring topics. Well, we would not still be the number one listen to hour on the weekend.
3: Yeah, no People's question about that. Now, you, and plus, you
2: know what? Always, plus our gossip's always quick. You know, listen... We, we, told, we told people that, you know, Austin Davis was going to be the lieutenant governor candidate of Josh Shapiro a month ahead of time. We told people that, you know, who has the best, you know, buffalo chicken pizza before, you know, FYI and all these Philly food shows. We're, we're always on cutting edge, man. We, you know, our stuff's real. There's no nonsense here. And, and what we're telling you about energy is the same. Okay? Absolutely. It doesn't have to be just politics or food or sports. You know, what we're telling you is, is that pay attention to this. We need this stuff because eventually, you know, you're going to you're going to be getting all your byproducts for all them Clorox wipes from foreign
3: countries. Absolutely. And you know, what's amazing when you you know these seem like complicated issues. But let me tell you something. You speak the same language as the public when you let them know that they're going to be feeling it in their pockets. Uh, And and when we're sacrificing our energy independence and situation, you heard uh, Donald Norcross. When, when the first time he came on, he, he's on the Armed Services Committee. And his biggest concern when it comes to issues like this is, uh, you know, uh, 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 sacrificing uh, our energy independence to foreign countries. We, you know, with PES refinery, all those products are being shipped in from overseas now. So when, you, when yeah. you talk about that, those things like that, the general public understands that. But normally, if it wasn't for guys like John Bland and John Doherty and shows like this and Jimmy Snell, people wouldn't know about them because nobody talks about this stuff in the public. Hey Joe, you know what everybody hey. understands? Four fifty a gallon of gas. They understand that. Yep. That there's nobody
2: I know that doesn't understand four fifty to the, a gallon. Okay. Try going to the shore every weekend, and and you need a side job just to pay for the gas.
1: Absolutely, John hey, Bland. Joe. I'll give you last word, brother. Before we go, before we go into the break, uh, I'm, and take as long as you need. But I'll give you last word.
5: No, I appreciate everything, like you said, I mean, I understand we have a we have a climate. Problem. Everybody knows it. That's why we're here right now talking about it, and that's why we've been to the forefront. But the administration needs to focus on one thing. The reality is, Johnny Doc mentioned it. There's all there's over five thousand derivatives of of what's in the petrochemical industry for products that we need. We need to focus. The fact is, you're not really going to get rid of fossil fuels altogether. You may minimize it a little bit, but we need. We need to focus on carbon capture, use and storage on the plants where we could do that. We need to car- capture everything we possibly can that's in our control.
1: Good stuff. John Bland joining us here, the business manager, Boilermakers Local 13. We're on the journey, J-Doc, yep. uh, with John Bland and everyone else to the key word that was, you mentioned it, John Doherty mentioned it, John Bland mentioned it. We will use the platform to educate the public and let them know absolutely and understand the messaging John Bland great stuff tonight brother
3: thank you John
5: thanks take
1: care. alright good stuff from John Bland we'll take a commercial break on the other side we'll wrap it up on the John Doherty Hour back in a moment
0: tonight's edition of the labor show is sponsored in part by Ironworkers Local 401 Boilermakers Local 13 Plumbers Local 690 Roovers Local 30 and IBEW Local 98 choose a local 98 contractor
1: the John Doherty Hour. Our last couple of minutes, you know, I talked about having Maureen Fioka join us on the program. Um, we're not going to get her into the John Doherty Hour tonight. Still plenty of weeks in front of us, John, uh, to get Maureen to join us. She is, a, she is currently rostered for the Labor team, so we'll have a lot to talk about uh, with Maureen uh, and the All-Star Labor Classic coming up uh, in April. Uh, So I apologize for not being able to work her into the program uh, tonight. I talked about her joining uh, towards the uh, end of the show. We're uh, almost out of time here on a um, Saturday night with the John Doherty Hour. Doc, if you don't mind, I'm going to bounce around. One thing that I jotted down that I wanted to talk about, and we got so carried away with sports conversation in our opening segment that I never had a chance to ask the question. So if there's not enough time to deal with it, we can put it on the back shelf and deal with it. But I made a note coming into the show. I wanted to ask you about a column that was put out um, around Connor Lamb. Uh, and, and, And the thought or the question was, why people attack their own Senate candidate? Why are Dems attacking Connor Lamb? Now I don't know if you have enough time to talk about that. Um, I wanted to cover it in the opening segment, but at least I can throw it out there and get some initial reaction out of you.
2: Well, two things. One, uh, Maureen will be an interesting conversation because she's been really successful in her career and has you know makes us proud. Uh, number two, that what you just asked. There was an article in the the Philadelphia Daily News, which in my eye was sort of a hatchet job, not something that the facts were incorrect, but the motivation behind the actual article. And in it, the attack was on Connor Lamb, but the focus was on a gentleman by the name of Billy Miller from a legendary Miller family. I have to tell you, Billy Miller ran into a weak moment. He paid for his weak moment. Billy Miller would not, okay uh not represent his people to the max it just happens that he's working for connor i want to let you know that makes a lot of people okay in the african-american community who had a bad day who paid for it okay happy that he would hire someone like billy miller now i have to let you know billy miller and what he does we just had a philadelphia female judge elected Okay, statewide. Her name was Lori Dumas. She would not have been elected without the Billy Miller efforts. There's also a kid on the Supreme Court from Philadelphia, okay, whose mother was as poor as anybody that you know as an infant, okay? And his name's Kevin Doherty. He would not have been a Supreme Court justice without the efforts of Billy Miller. So the hatchet job, okay, came from, in my opinion, you mentioned political, came from a couple dinosaurs. Okay, inside the Democratic Party that are upset that they haven't been able to change with the crimes. Okay, the most recent election, we had three great judge candidates. Okay, we want one. It happened to be the one that Billy Miller was working for. Okay, we have a Democratic Party that the only amount of vote they were able to get out was 7% of the vote after the early voting. 7%. Now, I hope that some of these people that were behind killing their own decide to hit retirement in the political arena like
4: I did.
1: Let's end it right there. The John Doherty Hour here on a Saturday night live on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Don't touch that dial from 8 to 9 p.m. The energy special. Stay right there. Um, You're going to get educated. On behalf of J-Doc, uh, on behalf of John McNichol, on behalf of John Bland, and, of course, on behalf of our gracious host, John Doherty, with a shout-out to Frank Keel for helping us put uh, the show together. I'm Joe Krause. See you next time, everybody.
0: This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management.